When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what's up, what's up? Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark, Tuesday edition of Gamecock Central Live. As we roll on and uh, sort of get into the meat of this Auburn week, appreciate everybody joining us here, obviously YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and on all of the podcast platforms out there, Apple Podcast, uh, Google, uh, Spotify, all the different things that's supposed to be on there. By the way, if you if you prefer a different podcast platform, and we are not on there, please let us know. We will effort making that happen. Again, I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. This is GC Live, brought to you by AffordableMedicalUSA.com, 803-926-1493, home of the game day chair. Chris, uh, before we get into this must-champ press conference, maybe a little, you know, a few key matchups, some things to watch for this Auburn game, why don't you tell everybody about the game day chair? Yeah, so the Game Day Chair is obviously our primary sponsor here on Gamecock Central Live, and uh, you've heard about it every day since we started doing this daily, and they're the reason why. They're a huge reason why, so we appreciate their support. Check them out, guys. Uh, Super comfortable chair, the Maxi Comfort Cloud with Twilight Technology. If you go to affordablemedicalusa.com, you'll be able to find it there. We're actually working on a new link. Chris, the owner of Affordable Medical USA, is working on a new link. Uh, that'll be be even easier to remember. But until then, if you're on YouTube, go to the description. You can find the link there. Daniel Watts, thank you for asking about the chair. You'll be able to find it there. Uh, Power pillow, lumbar support, zero gravity position, little remote that'll get you in any position you want. Way better than a lazy boy. Make your game day experience while you're watching the game from the comforts of your own home even more comfortable. So check it out. Give them a call. Go to AffordableMedicalUSA.com and search for the Maxi Comfort Cloud with Twilight. I'm going to do my best um, Alyssa Lang impression and eat my lunch as we're we're doing the show here. Um, But, okay, so obviously South Carolina, Auburn. Um, and if you guys want to get into Vanderbilt still a little bit more, you know, we can we can go into that. But obviously we'll start sort of turning the page a little bit here to this Auburn matchup. I, I see there's already a ton of people uh, making, you know, comments here in, in our chat on YouTube. So I appreciate everybody joining us. And I, I think, Chris, people are maybe sort of gravitating a bit over to, to YouTube as far as the platform, uh, which I still think if you're listening or watching – other places, probably the best place to watch is YouTube, as most of the people commenting right now are already on there. So let's see. All right, before we get into Auburn, let, let's go ahead and take uh, Susan Hitchcock has a question here, and uh, I know she is a loyal watcher and reader of GamecockCentral.com. So let's go ahead and uh, reward her, get her question about uh, the decommitment of Ontario Brown from South Carolina over the weekend and whether South Carolina will recruit another running back. Chris, you know, I, I think, first of all, I think worth pointing out that this is something that sort of had been expected for South Carolina. And, you know, and, and not that not that Ontario Brown is not a good player, because I, I don't want to make it sound, you know, sometimes, especially when you run a, quote, fan site or something, people will say, uh, well, that's sour grapes or something like that. South Carolina, you know, they wanted the kid. They actually liked him enough to take him, even though they already had a running back committed. So I think that says something about how much they liked him, both as a player and a person. As a kid, they liked what he could bring to the locker room as far as that aspect. But as always, there are, you know, and I don't want to get completely all into his, you know, personal uh, life, but as always, there are things that, have to be in place for South Carolina to sign a guy, um, you know, from from academics. If you look at sort of the way the letter of intents are sort of designed now, you basically have to – a guy has to be able to be in a situation to qualify 
um, if you're going to take them. So anyway, point being, I, I think this is a situation for South Carolina where as far as taking another running back, I don't think it's a necessity, Chris. I don't think it's a requirement. I think if the right guy were to pop up and he's a he's a playmaker, if he's explosive, if he can run, um, and I mean run like as in if he's a fast dude and can bring that to the table, then I think they they would look at taking another one. But I don't think when you look at the emergence of Kevin Harris, the guy's already on campus, Marshawn Lloyd coming back next year, Juju McDowell, the running back that's also committed for 2021, I don't think they're going to take a guy at running back just to take one based on everything we've been told. Yeah, like you said, it wasn't a necessity for this class after taking. Now, when we talk about taking three guys in the last class, one was a junior college guy, two high school guys, but you do still have three, and you've got three that are projected to all be back from that from that same class next year. So um, not a giant numbers need. South Carolina took Ontario to pair with Juju McDowell initially because, like you said earlier, Wes, they thought he was a good player wasn't a guy they were just taking just to take, just to fill a spot, just to get a body in there. So, look, they're already up against it from a number standpoint. That's without knowing how the NCAA is going to handle overall scholarship limits. You know, uh, coaches are recruiting and signing a class right now, knowing that they're going to have maybe some guys that choose to take extra years of eligibility. We don't know what that is going to exactly look like. There will be some protections, I feel pretty confident, but we just don't know what. But even taking that out of the equation, they're already very, very tight on scholarships. So they've got some other needs in this class. I'm sure they'll continue looking. And if they find another guy that they think is a really good player and is a bigger need, a better player than some certain other positions, then maybe. But here's the thing, Wes, they can they can go into the 22 class. And um, there are already several guys that South Carolina is recruiting that have some interest, even some highly rated guys. You know, from out of state, you got an in-state guy in C.J. Stokes who's, you know, really come on at running back. So you might be able to look at the 22 class and say, take a couple there. You know, that's always a possibility for you. But I'm glad that question was asked by by Susan because something I think we need to clear up a little bit. Wes, you and I were talking off air earlier today a little bit about that with some people really jumping to conclusions or, or painting that story in sort of a different light. And uh, it wasn't really you know, what went down at all. So an expected thing, a loss of a good player in the class in terms of his own field ability, for sure, uh, but but a loss that South Carolina sort of anticipated and can go and, and plan for the future now. <clears throat> yeah, so I think, man, um, wow, did, did we just swap sides or am I? We did. Losing I don't know why. Head? We did, yeah. All right, y'all, y'all hold on for one second. Ah, uh, there we go. Wes okay. has to be on the left. He can't do the show on the right. Well, it's just, I don't know. It was, it was freaking me out for a <laughs> that second. That did throw me off. I was like, whoa, hold on. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see, a question about Rashad Amos. I mean, I, I still, that's a guy I was talking up preseason. I think, yeah, at some point you're going to see Rashad. But, I mean, Bobo, Bobo was pretty frank when he said, hey, the kid's just got to grow up a little bit. That's That's common with a lot of freshmen. So, We'll see. I think right now that that position's been really good for him so far. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if that happens or not. Uh, we had Cartwright asking about Muschamps. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll check on the polo and see if that's available. We do have an outstanding sponsor in Gamecock Traditions, which uh, formerly was Garnet and Black Traditions. They're a sponsor on GamecockCentral.com. So, Cartwright, I will ask Scott um, over there and check it, you know, and see if that's available. And if so, you just got to promise to buy it from from those guys. But I'll, I'll find out about that for you as well. A question about Sharai Green. That's still down the line as far as getting him back. It was, what, four to six weeks? And that was after – that was, you know, during week one, game one. So you still got a ways to go with – Sherrod, uh, you know, possibly being back. All right, as far as other injuries, again, Muschamp going along with his sort of, I would say, non-disclosure on injuries today, which we, we don't even know. You know, Keir Thomas missed last week. Jalen Dickerson missed last week. 
We don't even really know if those were necessarily injury-related. Obviously, there's a whole other reasons you could speculate. I don't want to speculate, but Muschamp was asked, will those guys be back? Will Izzy be back? Izzy played like 14 snaps, I think, according to the snap count against Vandy. And Muschamp said, I think so. Quote, I think so. So I I don't know if that's sort of a non-answer or if he really thinks so. We will see. We will certainly try to check on those things. But in today's age right now with everything else going on, some of this we're just going to have to accept that there's not going to be much injury news going into a game. So, all right, let's 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 turn the page. Let's roll into Auburn. Will Muschamp talking about Auburn today. Some players talking about Auburn today. Chris, off the bat, what's the first thing that sort of stands out to you about this Auburn team? What If there's a one thing or a couple of things people need to know about Auburn, what do you think those things are? Well, if we're just going sort of rapid fire off the cuff, th- there's two random things that pop out to me. One is that, you know, they haven't appeared super impressive, right, so far this season. Um, not to say they're, they're not a good football team, right? Uh, it's still going to be a big challenge for South Carolina. But, you know, they, they've been in some fights, you know, the, the, through the first three weeks and maybe haven't looked as strong as I think people anticipated, have looked quite as strong as I anticipated. The other thing is that it's still going to be a really big challenge for South Carolina because of, A, the type of offense they run, and B, some of their skill guys that they've got. Where we've seen South Carolina struggle, we saw them struggle with a little bit of tempo, you know, in the Tennessee game, for example, where they they tempoed some of the run plays. That caused some issues. And then just some one-on-one matchups, whether it was the Tennessee or Florida game. Vandy just didn't have the horses. But I think Auburn – when, with them coming to town, they do present some issues. Bo Nix has not played great, but he can hurt you with his legs. He can throw the football. You think about Anthony Schwartz, who's a guy that Muschamp described as the fastest player in the country. He may be in terms of speed. That's not just hyperbole. I mean, he's he's 10.06 in the 100, which is absolutely flaming. And, uh, you know, so you have him, and they use him in a variety of ways. You got Seth Williams, who's a big physical receiver. You got Tank Bigsby, who has 3,000 yards after contact so far, roughly this season. Um, They can present you some issues with how their offense is structured, with the tempo and the way they get guys to the ball, and some of the individual skill players. And we've seen South Carolina struggle in both those areas this year, and so that's a big concern, I think, going into the game. I think, man, when you look, and first of all, 10 if you're running a 10 6, it's fast. You're hauling. Yeah. Like you were hauling. Yep. And this guy runs a 10 6. And I, yeah. I I think that's got that's got to be a concern for you if you're South Carolina is is dealing with these guys down the field and sort of, you know, you talk about defensive coaches talk about rushing cover all the time and how they're sort of, you know, they play off of each other, they complement each other. And if you can do if you can do both, they sort of uh, one one makes the other look better, and vice versa. And if you can't rush, then most of the time you can't cover. If you can't cover, you can't rush. Like they sort of, and sometimes it's even hard to tell which is the biggest issue. But generally, they they go hand in hand. And this is one of those teams where I think you have to cover a little bit longer. I think they can sort of, I would say stretch you out vertically and then if they do that then that's when Bo Nix's ability to extend plays and run around a little bit I mean this guy's not Lamar Jackson but when you put pieces around him and he can give you that extra that extra second and a half that is the difference between nothing and a completion downfield you know can can kill you in in a close game now Auburn has not, like you said, been outstanding this year at all. I think this is one of those teams right now where the sum of the parts has sort of not been as good as maybe a lot of the different individual abilities that you see here. Yep. I mean, Bo Nix, 
What, what did Rivals have him as? Number two quarterback? Uh, yeah, he was, he was a five-star yeah. kid. Yeah. Yeah, five-star guy. Has played from the beginning. Has had moments, I think. But has you know has not shown that it's consistently come together yet. Have a you know a really good running back that everybody's familiar with in Tank Bigsby. You talked about what they have at receiver. I mean, I, I think there are probably some concerns for them on the offensive line. We know they lost some really good talent on that defensive front. Now they've recruited well over there. We know that, but there are I think questions within this Auburn team just based on what we've seen so far. And I think that's why it's only, you know, the, the game opens as a three-point, you know, Auburn favorite, which is nothing in an SEC game. Yeah. So I, I think there's there's a lot to to sort of unpack here as the week goes on. But let's go into Muschamp's press conference. There were a couple of things, Chris, that I thought were sort of noteworthy. We don't always get noteworthy things from from the press conferences, but there were there are a couple things, and I'm going to start, and I've, I've got the video here. I'm going to start with Muschamp talking about the right tackle position because right tackle continues to be one of those spots where there's still rotation. Ja'Kai Moore has played the most there, but then you know Vershawn Lee gets the start against Vandy. I think he lasted one drive. And, and then was replaced by, by Ja'Kai Moore, if I'm correct there. That's right. Gave up a, a pressure, I think, off the edge there. So this is Muschamp on the right tackle position moving forward. Do you know who's going to start at right tackle this week? No, we're still working through things. Dylan repped there today. Uh, Dylan won him. Uh, Jason repped at left tackle. Ja'Kai is available as well. Vershawn Lee's available as well. And Jalen Nichols. So we'll we'll practice again tomorrow. Uh, look at it again on Thursday. Uh, you know, Dylan's had plenty of reps at, le- at right, and Jaston has been repping at left other than about a practice and a half, I think a week or two weeks ago, that we repped him at at, uh, at right. So uh, still trying to, you know, figure that best five. The, the, again, like we said earlier, the word consistency, consistently playing well together. And, and uh, we'll, we'll look at that again tomorrow and Thursday. First of all, Chris, I'm glad to see that uh, our word of the year consistency has spread uh into the building as well but uh no don't say don't say spread into the building not good lingo right now that's true that's uh (laughs) i take that back i'm not gonna put that uh put that on anybody but i i think so chris i've got a feeling we're about to start to see the lineup we thought we were gonna see on the offensive front all summer long. Yeah, man. Agree? Yeah. It is. And it has been odd. Look, Muschamp has said, he said this a lot. I'll get to the point on this, but he, he mentioned again today, he said, we have had, and I don't know if he was talking in, in terms of the conference or college football in general, or just his team today, but he said, we've had a lot of issues with COVID. Some of that is positives, quarantine. Some of that is, like you mentioned today with Jazz, not being able to work out in the facility for several months. So it's a combo of all those things. But, like, this has gone to us thinking, based on legitimate feedback, you know, even stuff publicly said that Jaston was at left tackle, Dylan Wanham at right. Then we thought with Jaston wasn't as consistent, we thought it was going to be Jalen Nichols at right, Dylan Wanham at left. And I guess clearly something – had to have happened with Jalen Nichols because he wasn't a factor in the first two games, right? At right tackle, just sort of disappeared. And so we won't speculate on that and I haven't been able to get anything confirmed. It's been a little difficult there. And, you know, so what, whatever happened, but he's, he's been back in the mix. Some, he did play a little bit against Vanderbilt. We noticed, um, but you're exactly right. It does look like, you know, as time has gone on, people have gotten back into it. Now Jason's been able to be more consistent. And so now it looks like it's sort of that group that we all imagine. Now Jordan Rhodes, that was the other missing ingredient. He's back with the team, but we weren't sure if it'd be him or it'd be Javon Gwynn. But now everything has sort of come, I guess, full circle really for what we thought it would be going in. And then it's obviously been an interesting offseason. Yeah, and I, I would say, you know, Chris – 
I think Eric Douglas is a guy I wondered about. He's been great, I feel like. He's been good at center. I don't think you have to look at moving Gwen over to center at this point. Like I, I think those guys are, are in a good spot. It's just been tackle, which I don't think we necessarily anticipated no. was going to be an issue. But now I, I think you do sort of look jazz at left, Dylan at right. If they settle into that, that that's maybe your best five. That's maybe your best group that they can sort of go from and build from here. Because I, I would say, man, the run, the run blocking by my eye has not been bad. I think they've struggled at times with athleticism on the edge in the pass rush. And, you know, that, that can get you beat. And that can, when you already have struggles in the passing game due to the other end, catching the football, then you, you really got to hope you can just shore up all the other areas, right? Because mm-hmm. if half the, if you've got, let's say in a course of 10 throws, two of them somebody drops the ball, the other two you get sacked, and then another one you get hurried, I mean your, your chances of being successful and staying on the field are going to be very, very small. So we'll see what goes on there and if that's what happens. But I do have Muschamp's clip talking about Jazz, which I think actually was a very just open, honest answer and provided some clarity because we knew Jazz had dropped off a little bit just by the actions of the staff. And we didn't know, was there a little bit of a mis-evaluation in the spring? You know, what, like what, what exactly happened? And now Muschamp sort of gave – and again, there are, there are so many different, I would say, outcomes that are affected by COVID that even if it's not a direct, you know, somebody got it or somebody got contact traced and had to miss time, it's affecting different guys in different ways as far as how their routine is handled. And that was the case here with Jazz. Well, I go back, John, to spring and those first five days coming off the off-season program, and I've never – you know, I remember Jason telling me, I think I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. And in those five practices, he was extremely impressive. And then we had six months off where we can say we worked out. We can say we ran. We can say we lifted weights. We can say we did this. At the end of the day, unless you're in the building and working, it's hard. And, and quite frankly, he was not in great shape uh, when we started training camp uh, and had a hard time sustaining you know, I had a hard time with assignments and things because of, you know, not being in great shape. And it's taken since we started training camp on August 17th, I think was the date, to this point, to where he's now worked himself into where he's in better shape, he's in better conditioning, he's able to sustain, he's able to play longer, play harder than he's played before. And that's that's been that's been the issue. It's nothing that I haven't told him. It's nothing that Eric Wolford hadn't told him. Uh, it has nothing to do with ability. Uh, but he's a guy that just, you know, I think, again, this, this situation we're in has impacted us in so many different ways, and I think that's that's how it impacted Jazz. Jazz is uh, a wonderful young man. He's worked his butt off to get himself to where he is now again, and we got to sustain that, John. That's the big thing. we got to sustain where he is because he is a very talented guy, and uh, and we need, to, we need to continue to bring him along. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was – there's your answer. Did, did you get to watch um, when you rewatched? Did you watch Jazz much, Chris? Uh, no, not. Sp- I'm not actually still not all the way through my rewatch. I got into later in the game and uh, am just about to get to, I think, the portion where he comes in the game. So I, I did not. What did you think? Did you get to watch him? No, see, I haven't got there yet either. Like, I'm yeah. sort of roll. I wouldn't say rolling. I've slowly, as I've had time. Yeah, going through the game. Excuse me, and I think he did have he did his job on the eighty-eight yard touchdown. I do know that, but I, I'm wondering that that sound that explanation sounds like a really good thing for South Carolina because it's not a talent issue. It's really not even it, it is a consistency issue. Chris, but it's not really a consistency issue due to it sounds like anything other than the fact that it's just really hard to stay conditioned 
as a six foot. How tall is Jazz? Seven, six, eight? It's like six fifteen. I'm not sure. Yeah, you know. Like you know, <laughs> it's a big dude. Yeah. yeah, it's hard enough to stay conditioned and and really keep your side. Like say there's sort of that perfect because what you do, know, you see it. Offensive linemen when they when their playing days are over, they all either get really really big or they all lose like a hundred pounds. Yeah, and are you know and look like a skinny tight end or something. So, you know, I, I think it's hard to keep to stay at that correct weight to play football for, for a lot of these offensive linemen and to stay. I mean, dude, I can't imagine coming back and going through a Will Muschamp training camp, playing offensive line for Eric Wolford being not quite back in, in great shape, you know, yeah. Like that it, uh, that's gonna. Of course, you're gonna be inconsistent. You're in this Columbia Heat, so I, I think you look and it, it's kind of one of those things where, if there was other reasons, you might you might be concerned. But the fact that now you you've gotten time to get back to where he needs to be as far as being in great shape, now that that could be the move that potentially could put this offensive line over the top. And then you have a guy in Kevin Harris who we've talked about really has exceeded all expectations. And there, there's an opportunity here for this offensive line to sort of get everything going, I think. Yeah, and we talk a lot about how, you know, your offensive line is going to work in harmony with, with your running backs, right, and the and the rest of that unit. You know, we, we look at sacks, and now South Carolina has given up too many in one-on-one situations on the offensive line, specifically tackle. They have given up too many. But some of those are, you know, maybe your quarterback holds the ball too long. Maybe it's a tight end. Maybe it's a back missing a block or a guy coming through free through the middle for a pressure or sack that the back's supposed to pick up. So there are a lot of different things that go into it. But Kevin Harris has shown that he can run through contact. You know, even even that play, you know, the 88-yard touchdown run, it was really well blocked. But the point, and you brought this up yesterday, Wes, you want your back to get one-on-one with a guy uh, – Guy took a, a terrible angle, but if Kevin had, you know, I don't know, decelerated or gone the wrong way or, or hesitated, whatever it may have been, maybe he gets tackled and it's a three-yard game. Instead, it's 88. So that helps. That <laughs> makes, your, makes your stats better, makes your offensive line look better. It allows you, Mike Bobo as a play caller, to open things up. So, you know, the, the more consistent and the better that people play, the more possibilities it unlocks for you. So, you know, we did come into this season saying that South Carolina had four guys, right? Back in the spring, we were talking about that with Jazz and Dylan Wanham, Ja'Kai Moore, Jalen Nichols. You know, I think we got to realize that Jazz went through what he went through, that Muschamp's, like Muschamp said, a lot of guys, it was a challenge for them to stay in shape. Now he's gotten himself back into it. Jalen, whatever happened there, clearly there was something at the beginning of the year. And we forget, Ja'Kai Moore, he's a true sophomore. He's played a little bit of ball in his career. This is really his first, really, really, not his first significant action, but he hasn't even played a full slate, you know, of of one year of games. So uh, we've seen him have some struggles at times, but I thought he played a lot better, you know, against Vanderbilt, particularly in the run game. So I think there's still room for this group to get better, provided that they stay healthy, and that'll be a big key for the rest of the season. By the way, did you see J.C. Horn's answer about his expectations for Kevin Harris this year? Yes. Well, uh, yeah. So I th- I think my theory was proved to be correct. I'm just going to yeah. go ahead and say that. That I I just think this guy. And by the way, I won't. We have a comment from a Gamecock Central subscriber that reached out to me about a couple of things he wanted for us to hit on in the show. And one of them was, he, he was like, man, go back and look at Kevin Harris's high school film. And he's like, the dude just does not touch the ground. Like, he, if you look at his film, like, they just, they never get the dude on the ground. And actually, I haven't, we like to do things on the fly here. So, I haven't gone through this. I'm going to take his word for it. But I'm going to pull up Kevin's senior highlights from 2018. And 
We're just going to all watch these together. Sounds like a plan. Fam- family uh, family day on GC Live. <laughs> Watching some Kevin Harris film here. Love it. It's 2018, Kevin Harris. But, man, I think I, I actually watched some of his high school stuff when he was camping with rivals. And this was right before I think he camped at South Carolina. And it, it's kind of, again, like we talked about yesterday, he sort his running style really sort of tricks your eyes. Like he doesn't necessarily look like he's moving that fast, but he's faster than the guy chasing him a lot of times, and he's fast enough to find the corner. I went back and looked. He ran a four or five six at South Carolina's camp, which uh, was the one thing I think they wanted to see was what he would run in a forty yard dash. And but man, Chris, you see here, like dude. And this really doesn't even show off his physical ability because, as far as breaking tackles, which is his greatest strength because whatever competition he's playing right here, they're not even touching the kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he does He does certainly have some where there he can – There it is. Yeah. I remember there were some, some highlights, might have been junior year, where they were wearing – maybe it was in October or something, they were wearing like pink jerseys, and he was just destroying people in those – so, yeah, do, hey, do you remember his shuttle time that he turned in? I actually saw it in a piece that I wrote and one you wrote when he committed. So the four I know five, it was quick. Yeah, I mean, he ran a 4-1 in the shuttle. So that's really good for a dude that size. And so here's – I went back and looked. Our subscribers know, and I'll just talk over this while we continue watching him if that's cool – Um. Uh, the inside commitment that I wrote, we, we always, almost always write an inside the commitment. Anytime somebody commits, put it on the insiders forums for subscribers. It sort of breaks down what happened, the backstory, what type of player it is. And so I asked his coach at the time, Ross Couch, you know, why, why is he only a, a service academy offer guy? And he said, you know, he didn't do a lot of camps. The ones he did do, he didn't turn in great 40 times. Like he looked apart. The teams were wondering about the top end speed, and so he made it a goal of his to prove people wrong. Um, but here, here's here's some of his quotes. He said, "He's going to pound you. You can give him the ball thirty times, and he'll want it thirty more. He's going to be something special at South Carolina. Um, that much weight coming downhill, running power—that's a load for anyone to take on. That's his bread and butter." His strength, especially his lower body, is what makes him a dominant player. His leg drive is unbelievable. So, yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> – and here's the highlights I was talking about with the pink jerseys. But, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he just carries people in. So, Couch absolutely raved about the kid. And I do recall as soon as South Carolina offered, he committed – I was told that it was that it was within a couple of days. I think it was the same day that Tennessee called, Georgia called. You know, they were very they were trying to sort of get in and and say, "Oh, do we need to take another look at this guy?" So, good find, good get. I I think he's the real deal, man. I know we're we're three games in, but I think this kid's the real deal. And you know, I, I it's kind of funny if you go back. I mean, we, we can find, I'm sure, especially when we talk to a kid's head coach, which we do almost all the time when a guy commits, they, you know, they're always going to have positive things to say about their kid, right? Sure. So I'm, I'm sure we can go back and find some just absolute misses. <laughs> yeah. but, but to his head coach's credit, and even I, I was watching, I don't know if you saw this when you were going back and looking. It sounds like we were doing the same thing today and we didn't know it. I went back and looked. And um, all the articles when he committed, and there was a video from Chad Simmons. And Chad basically said, this kid has great balance. Um, he's super strong and that he's faster than you think and that he could be a sleeper in South Carolina's class. Like, if you look back, it actually – everything Chad said, everything his coach said, they nailed the evaluation. We just didn't know it at the time because – the kid didn't have other SEC offers. He wasn't highly recruited, and you're just wondering, all right, 
is this just that the kid's head coach likes him and is talking him up like any other head coach, or is it legit? And, I mean, this run that y'all are seeing right now is ridiculous. So, But what we're seeing is that basically all those comments back then were, were spot on. Yeah, I mean, and so I think one thing that you look at at, at this level, at high school level, and trying to project a kid is, you know, some of the things that he does, will they project to the next level? And so, you know, is, is Kevin going to rip off an 88-yard run, run every week? No, probably not. You know, that's not as much as game, although he has certainly shown in multiple instances that he's got more speed than anybody's given him credit for. But the ability to break tackles, that's something that that's huge. You know, sometimes you'll watch guys in high school – and you don't see him breaking a ton of tackles at the high school level. And so you sort of wonder about that, you know, unless they have elite speed or they're great in short areas or uh, they have great vision or, or all of the above, you know, sometimes they may struggle a little bit more at the next level. But when you got a guy like this who displays good vision, more than adequate speed, and he's breaking a ton of tackles at the high school level, and he's a great kid and he's really driven like Kevin is, when you put all that together – you know, you're going to have a much better chance of, of hitting on that guy and him sort of reaching his potential. No doubt, man. So, so yeah, I, I figured that would be cool to go back and look at that. And his film guy, looking back, we probably should have been raving about him, Chris, I think a little bit more than, than we did. But anyway, so that, again, was a comment from one of our subscribers who sent me a private message. Uh, give him a shout-out, 843-TJ's-DAD78. And – he also said that um, he wanted us to mention, and, and I think definitely worth mentioning, Colin Hill, who he also called Chill. The nickname is catching on, guys. He said that he was hoping we could give a shout-out to Colin Hill for his job out front blocking <laughs> on the DeCarion Joiner touchdown run. And I don't know that Colin really hit many people. <laughs> on that, but his presence out front certainly affected this play. And two two things about that that caught my eye, Chris, and we talked about how happy the carry-ons teammates were for him, but you look at Colin on that. For one, just to be out in front doing that, knowing what he's been through, that has to resonate resonate with your your teammates when that pops up on film even if you didn't notice it in the game that that's going to say something to your teammates i think but dude the athleticism of anybody playing sec football like i know colin hill will never be sort of mistaken as a dual threat quarterback but I think that was one of those reminders we get every now and then that even the big, quote, like slow football players that are playing SEC ball are still infinitely more athletic than just your <laughs> average human being, right? Yeah. Like if you look – so Justin King, who does as good a job as anybody in the country and his video team, when they posted those on Twitter, they post those like from the – field videos where you can see it at ground level watch colin hill the amount of grass that he eats up long striding down the field in front of the carry on joiner after three reconstructive surgeries to his knees it's pretty freaking impressive and the guy i'm not saying he's a great running athletic quarterback by any means compared to other sec players but my point chris compared to regular human beings, all these guys are athletic as they can be. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I even look at the uh, the second touchdown run that he had, which was – what was that one? It, it was more than like six inches, which was the first one where he actually got out into space. I mean, he covered a little ground there. You know, it wasn't like – I didn't watch that play going – you know, I wasn't like looking at my sundial or anything to see how it long – like Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Way better than that. So not an absolute statue. And and so he can move. And that's the thing, like in high school, they ran Colin a little bit at Dorman. You know, he would he would run some. 
Um, especially down near the goal line, they would run some stuff for him. And obviously, you know, as he continued to get bigger and as he, uh, you know, had obviously the knee, the knee issues, you don't run him as much and that can affect you, but he, he looks good. You know, there's no trepidation at all on his part. There, there's no hesitation. That's something he talked about a lot in the off season. And um, yeah, he, he's been out in front blocking. He's willing to take off and run. Honestly, that would help maybe if he do it a little bit more. I don't, I don't know how the, how the staff necessarily, if they want him doing that, but when you can take a play where everybody's covered, you see a pocket, and if you can go get 10 yards like he's capable of, that, that certainly helps. There was – and I, I I can't even remember what play it was. There was a play earlier in the season where he was rolled out and he he threw, and it was an incomplete pass. I, I wish I could remember what play this was. It's, I can see it in my head. But there was grass all in front of him. And I thought to myself, I was like, I wonder if – like it looked like there was so much room yeah. I was like, well, may- maybe he really is just that, you know, that not fast. But looking back, now I'm saying I-, I agree, dude. I think there are some opportunities there where he can he can go get you yardage, sort of like a Dylan Thompson kind of did for South Carolina where you pick your spots. I don't think they're going to be running any quarterback draws. But um, when the defense is run off, South Carolina sees so much man coverage against good teams anyway. Sometimes you run off all the defenders and then there's just space left, you know? So so maybe yeah. that is part of his game. He had the nice run against Florida where he picked up a late first down and got out of bounds. So we'll see. All right, so let's look. The only other thing, Chris, from the press conference that I would say that was noteworthy for me was Jalen Brooks. And not that we know anything yet, but Marshamp said that, and he, he was very cautious in how he said it. He was like, look, there's no timetable with anything that involves the NCAA, which we know that. But he sounded somewhat, I don't know if optimistic is the word, but there's at least a possibility they could hear something on this appeal in the next couple, next few days, which obviously would be, well, we don't know if it would be good or bad, but it would it would be nice it'd be, it'd be, for Jalen to at least yeah get some closure here and find out if he's going to be able to play this year or not. And I, I find myself thinking, Chris, I know, I know there are no such you know what ifs in football do you know that does no one any good. But if you could add a receiving threat to what they've already sort of started to establish on offense, this offense has a chance to be a good bit better than maybe we thought they could be coming in with the emergence of Kevin Harris, like we've talked about, and then the potential of adding a Jalen Brooks to some of what they already have at receiver. Yeah, can can they get a little better at receiver? Nobody is going to expect this group to go from what it was preseason and, and the first couple few games and just have this massive turnaround to where all of a sudden they're going to be, to go back to your term, you know, LSU circa 2019. It's not happening. But Will Muschamp mentioned today he felt like they've gotten better in some areas across the board on, on the team. Now, part of that, yeah, playing Vanderbilt, you're going to look a little bit better. But just in general, from game one to game three, the little things, have you improved on some of those? And, and so maybe that's the case. Jalen would give them a vertical threat you know, which they're going to need in, in league play, which is about every game, as we know. So they're going to need that uh, because we know that Mike Bobo's made some efforts, some concerted efforts to go and stretch the field a little bit. Um, even if you're not getting the ball off or connecting on some of those, just having that threat of a guy that can run and maybe go snag a deep ball here and there, that could certainly help you. But they need Leggett to come on. They need Van to come on. Really, any anybody that can get open over the middle of the field or deep, and or at least threaten the field vertically. Those things could help. So, yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, Muschamp mentioned they they hope to hear this week. I guess is how he put it, or that they could hear this week. He also said, you know, that there's never really a timeline on these things, which, as we know from experience, there's not. So, it, it's sort of hard to fathom. I know people are frustrated with it. It is frustrating for the kid, especially the NCAA's put a proposal out now to allow transfers immediate eligibility now, you know, I guess starting next year or sometime soon. And so you look at that and go, well, 
I mean, I know the rule is what it is now, but everybody's got a free year. You're looking at doing this. You're really opening it up, you know, so why not for him? So, uh, yeah, hopefully they'll hopefully they'll hear something here soon. And if they could get him in, it might be a little bit of a boost. Yeah, and, and great question here from Craig. Uh, what's up, Craig? I know uh, Craig Goblin here is a uh, consistent listener and watcher of the show. How many reps is Brooks getting? And that's something, you know, we, we don't know. I don't have a specific answer for you, but I, I think – is an ex the the question brings up an excellent point in that the Jalen Brooks even if he is ruled eligible this week the Jalen Brooks you're going to see for what is now God believe it or not week four of the season is not the Jalen Brooks you would have seen if he had been ruled eligible from the beginning and allowed to actually play and progress and you know go out there and be with the first team in practice now I'm sure they're mixing him in. He's probably done some scout team stuff. I'm sure they've rotated him in. I mean, if we use last year as our guide, Nick Muse was not eligible week one, and then he got eligible, what, right before week two, and he was on the field. again. Now, that was against Charleston Southern. So, But that, that tells us they were still working Nick Muse into – you know, getting reps in practice. So how many is Jalen getting or not getting? I don't know, but I feel pretty confident saying they're at least getting him in the mix in practice. And I would imagine, Chris, if he if if they called up South Carolina on Thursday and said he's eligible for Saturday, I'm not saying Jalen Brooks is starting, but I, I think Jalen Brooks is on the field on, on Saturday. It would be my guess. Yeah, and, and maybe not in a starter role, maybe not playing huge snaps, but he's he's a guy that you could – probably feel good enough about putting out there. You know, preseason camp, before all this happened, at one point before Tennessee, they had to limit his reps because he's not cleared at that point. You know it's possible he may not be cleared. you got to make a decision. But in preseason camp, before you get into Tennessee prep, when you're just sort of working on South Carolina, as, as Muschamp says, um, he's getting a lot of reps. I mean, he's out there with the first team. So, um, and Muschamp mentioned – Cam Smith going against Jalen Brooks and, you know, in practice getting in some extra work and things like that on Sunday night. So um, he's still out there working, and I think he he would play some type of role if he if he becomes eligible at some point. All right, let's roll through some questions here to finish it out. We had a question from Ryan Patterson, and if this is the same Ryan Patterson, he is a subscriber on Gamecock Central and actually married to somebody I went to high school with. So what's up, Ryan? If that's you, I can't tell. But – he says, um, and we talked about this a little bit. I don't know if you heard the show yesterday, Ryan. We talked about this a little bit, but still a good question. Do y'all think the Vanderbilt game could be a potential reset for a team that hasn't had much success over the last year? Credit those guys for handling business and having fun doing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're a South Carolina fan, that's the hope. You know, J.C. Horn was talking about that a little bit today. Eric Douglas talked about it a little bit today, how, for one, it's just really exciting for the – the backups and the guys that don't normally get to play actually getting to go out there and perform because, you know, these guys are getting beat on. They're putting in the same hours. They're doing the same work as the starters and rarely actually get to play. So that that's huge for the morale you're building. Can some of this, and, and again, it's, it's nuanced, right? Vanderbilt, they're really pretty terrible this year. Just to, to as far as SEC competition goes, they weren't good last year, and South Carolina beat them pretty handily last year too. Now that they beat them, I, I think the the positive, if you want to, and year over year comparisons don't always work. But for South, South Carolina's offense last year, really had some opportunities to blow out Vanderbilt and could not do it at home. You know, like just could could not. I mean, it was a twenty four seven. It was never really in danger, from what I remember but didn't beat them the way they did this year. And so for South Carolina's offense to go into Nashville, in in that rain, you know, you're dealing with the elements, and to sort of go and, and just blow them out, there's there's something to build off of there. But I, I think, yeah, it's just – we talked about it, man. How, how many times did South Carolina players, coaches, and fans wake up on a Sunday morning that many times in a row having lost the day before. 
So yeah. to wake up with a different feeling, Chris, it, it is a bit of a reset. Now, if you turn around and do nothing with it, we talked about this after South Carolina beat Georgia last year. Could they build off of it? They could not. So can they build off of this one? This, I mean, this is going to be like sports talk guy hyperbole, you know, BS, which generally I hate that kind of stuff. But you can make a strong case that this is this could be the biggest game of the year for South Carolina as far as being a potential turning point um, for this season, man. I do know this. If they would have lost to Vanderbilt, the chances of them winning against Auburn diminish significantly. You know, it's just so hard. And, you know, Muschamp talked about it today. He joked about it a little bit about how much better things are after a win. That's something I mentioned on the show yesterday. I had somebody tell me things are just easier. It doesn't mean it's easy. It, it, what happened against Vanderbilt has very little to do with what will happen against Auburn in that if you beat Vandy, that doesn't mean your chances go super high against Auburn. really doesn't. Much better team, different type of challenge. But you, you do have that winning result that you can point to. You know, you, you first two weeks are a disappointment. You start off rough. To go and rebound, no matter the opponent, you have that result of said, okay, we worked hard, and now we got in a position where it's not a nail-biter. We went out, took care of business from, you know, second quarter on, pretty much dominated the football game as they should have maybe even more than they should have. And so then you've got that result to point to and, and build on, and, and you go into the game with more confidence. If you lose that game and you're 0-3 going into Auburn, it's a hard week of preparation. It's really, it's really a lot harder. So, you know, really it'll come down to what happens on the field, obviously, against Auburn. I do know that losing that game last week would have made it infinitely more difficult. Dude, I mean, I dare the, – the just – sort of feel around the program right now if we were in some alternate reality and South Carolina was 0-3 with a loss to Vandy it would be unbearable yeah I think just the overall negativity for everything and everybody around the program would be absolutely unbearable yep with the win it gives you a chance to reset and and football seasons we all we all you know in media fans sometimes players everybody gets too high for wins and, you know, we're all, you know, we may be making too much of, of South Carolina blowing out Vandy. But the, I, but also everybody got way too low, I think, after the 0-2 start because, and we talked about it at the time, though, because it trailed what we all saw happened at the end of last year. Yep. So, th- I mean, this was a losing streak for South Carolina that the Vandy win ended for them. So it does, as Gamecock Russ says there, it does build confidence. It's good for the young players. And now we'll just find out if they can actually build off of it and it means something, or if they're sitting here one and three, all the feelings from the first two weeks, I think, with this fan base, they, they come flying right back in. So, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can do that. It, it is a, a interesting matchup. Something I'm going to dive into probably later on this week with an article, Chris, is that, when South Carolina plays Auburn, it seems like crazy things tend to happen. Like this, even even though these teams don't play each other a ton. I mean, what 2014? That last time they they played, right? Yeah, that's it at Auburn 2014. Yep. Every single one of these matchups has been wild. I feel like. I mean, 2014. I remember. Spurrier going up and down the field. He said, I'm not punting. He he onside kicked, I think. He went for it on every fourth down. He knew his defense wasn't going to get stops. And he just said, screw it, I'm going for it. Uh, 2011, very forgettable game for South Carolina. They're on CBS. That was an Auburn team that lost a ton from the year before. Auburn scores late. Uh, The little throwback play, was it uh, Philip Lutzenkirchen? Yep that caught the ball for a touchdown. The two matchups in 2010, obviously Carolina got blown out in one of them. and But that's the lone SEC championship game for South Carolina. The 2010 regular season game where Carolina's up and some guy named Cam Newton comes from behind and uh, leads Auburn to a win. And Carolina puts in Connor Shaw in what I still say was the craziest decision of Spurrier's time at South Carolina just to throw a freshman in just literally into the fire. Um, 
late in that game. When South Carolina has played Auburn, weird stuff happens. So, yeah, I'm not expecting anything any different. You can go back to 2006 when Carolina didn't have an offensive snap in the third quarter. Savelle Newton, as Muschamp talked about, was running around. Jared Cook, we all know, drops the big potential touchdown. Carolina had a turnover in that game where Corey Boyd chased the guy down and and forced a fumble and got the ball back. So when these two teams play, weird stuff happens. I think it's an Auburn thing. I I saw Justin Rowland, who's the publisher of Cats Illustrated, our Kentucky side on the network. I think he tweeted – I think it was him – tweeted over the weekend that, you know, during the Arkansas-Auburn game, he's like, if you see a weird score in college football – like eight points or five points. He's like, Auburn is one of the teams that that's playing. Like they just have the, their game Saturday was weird. I mean, they, they have Bo Nick spike the ball backwards. And I mean, we could do a whole segment on that. It's a weird game. I mean, they don't, they can't just have a regular game. So it, it's insane. So yeah, that, that lots of craziness in that game. I definitely remember 2014 and a um, thousand yards of offense between those two teams. Carolina had three turnovers. South Carolina had 30 first downs. Crazy game. So there have been a lot of interesting memories, but I'll tell you what people are going to remember the most is not having a win against Auburn in quite a while. So that would be a really sweet one for the Gamecock program and for fans for sure. Yeah, and, man, I still still think the answer that the SEC gave Arkansas is – I mean, what – so what what is an immediate recovery? Like even you know everybody saw. Every, well, I think most people who care enough to watch this on YouTube or listen to the podcast probably at some at some point have seen that that highlight. And now, so I, I know you have to have an immediate recovery, but what what even is an immediate recovery? To me, I know they tried to say, well, the whistle was blown, but the that, to me that was an immediate recovery. And there should there should be a push to just get the call right. Like if you for, for immediate can be up for interpretation anyway, so why not interpret it in the way that makes the call right? You know? Yeah, I, I don't know the answer, and we could do we could literally do an entire show on SEC officiating, especially after last year. I mean, it, it hasn't been good this year either. You know, there haven't been as many glaring South Carolina examples. There were there were some in the Tennessee game. There were some in the Florida game. I'm sure South Carolina's committed penalties that haven't been called. There's no doubt about it. But, man, the, the way that they handle that stuff is just it's brutal. Even, even the PR aspect of it. We saw that last year. The way that they handled the PR aspect of officiating was horrific. Remember our guy Heath Klein on 1075 just absolutely waylaying the conference about it and he was he was dead on. So uh I don't know. That was bizarre. But the point but going back to the point, Auburn game, weird. So I anticipate another weird game this year just because it's Auburn and it's South Carolina playing Auburn. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so uh, on Thursday we will have um who we got Thursday, Chris? We're having a guest this week. Yeah, let's see if we can get Jay Tate from AuburnSports.com, who is a uh, a YouTube master. Um, Wes was watching the old brain drain the other night. He texted me. Jay does a great job interacting with all those folks. So looking forward to uh, getting him in here this week. Jay did seven hours on YouTube on Saturday. So maybe, I, I mean, I'm not even going to ever claim that we're ever going to do that. So Did, did he take uh, a bathroom break? Like, was I, he like, hold on, guys? <laughs> like, just I, don't, I don't know, man. But, like, I don't know. Had to. Right. Well, Kira Thomas, um, Muschamp said, uh, Cartwright asked about him, said, I think so, when he was asked if those guys will be back. So, y'all can interpret that however you wish. All right. So, whatever platform you're watching or listening on, please do us a favor. Hit the like button. Um, if you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. If you're on a podcast platform, hit, uh, you know, whatever your platform uses, please leave us a rate, a review, a subscribe, or whatever your platform uses. Please help us out because that is a really easy way that you guys can help us out and uh, share it with your friends, do all those things, and 
We'll keep growing the show. We'll keep having guests, and we'll keep doing it daily during the football season. That's the hour mark right there. So for Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you all tomorrow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.